How prepared were you for the COVID lockdowns? Specifically, how prepared were you mentally to deal with the isolation? What if it had been much, much longer? What if we go through a situation in the future where we are isolated for a considerable period of time? What do you do? How do you prepare for that? We'll talk about that when we come back. Practical Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Practical Prepping Podcast. Krista here, and we're in the studio here with Mark. Mark, how you doing? I'm doing great. Fantastic. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. We've gotten some very positive news just on a personal front. We're just rejoicing that things are great and we enjoy our listeners tuning in. To, uh, they they tell us that they enjoy our banter. Our banter. We have banter. Oh, I misread I. that. What'd you misread? I read it as they enjoyed you beating me. <laughs> That's battery. That's a whole different word. She smacked <laughs> me on the hand today. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. You know. I deserved it. I, yeah. I, I'll admit that. Yeah, I, this smart alecky guy sometimes can just, you know, say some things that deserve a little pop on the hand. Yeah. And it was to somebody that we don't know. <laughs> and she actually thought it was funny, too. Well, as anyway, just wanted you all to know that we welcome you listening. We thank you for listening. We hope that we can impart some very important information and th- some things to think about. I'd like to make an announcement that on March the 25th, which is just a scant few weeks from now, Mark and I will be making an appearance at a table at the American Legion Post in Columbus, Mississippi, Hamfest. there at the American Legion. It's going to be, I believe, on a Saturday morning from 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. We're going to be there. And if you're anywhere in the Columbus, Mississippi area on March the 25th, and you may have an interest in ham radio, or you just like to come out, maybe meet us. Yes, we'd say love come on by. To, we'd love to meet you. We would. And we'll be there, and there is information on our website about that. What's our topic for tonight? We're talking about mental health, particularly during a crisis, an emergency, an SHTF, that sort of thing. Yeah, mental health plays a huge role in an SHTF scenario. And it can be positive, or it can be negative. Oh, yes, and I think we've seen enough movies to that effect. Oh, yes. Good mental health and positive attitude generally gives positive results. Well, I I would say conversely, poor mental health or a negative attitude can result in some negative emotions and feelings. Absolutely. Now, let's define SHTF, particularly in this context. Well, anything that might cause an isolation, that doesn't mean you're entirely alone, but you were using the COVID lockdown as a description. It it caused us to isolate in our homes with whoever we had with us and with whatever means and resources that were there. Remember the two-week flatten the curve Mm -hmm. idea? You know, that was done away with pretty early on. We thought we would be locked down for a couple of weeks. And it turned into, you know, a year plus. Mm -hmm. And it was differing from state to state, country to country, because different governments and different leadership interpreted locking down and 
isolating and social distancing very differently. But in the broad scheme of it all, we all had to participate on some level in being told we couldn't gather, we couldn't meet, couldn't go to work, couldn't go to school, just couldn't, period. We just couldn't. We had to stay home and deal with it. And we're still dealing with some of that, even though the evidence has come out. Many in the medical community have said that the mask did no good. It may have prevented flu a whole lot better than it did COVID. But one, we were using a lot of hand sanitizers. But the evidence has come out that the mask did very little, if any, good at all and possibly did harm, especially to some who have breathing difficulties and such as that. But even today, we were in a place that had a sign on the front door that if you were not wearing a mask, you could not come in or you would be asked to leave. Yeah. And and it's a, you know, if you want to wear a mask voluntarily. That's fine. That's fine. Absolutely. Wear a mask voluntarily. I think the mandating of things is what rubs Americans the wrong way. And I saw people wearing masks long before COVID. Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, It's been going on for years in some countries. And if if you have a compromised immune system, it's a good idea. There's a lot of times that wearing a mask is a good idea not including Robin Banks and such as that. You know, and I say that, <laughs> I, I jokingly say that, but I went in a bank one day in uniform wearing a mask. And I, I said to one of the tellers, now I was in uniform, so she knew who I was. But I said, you know, I never thought that I would walk into a bank wearing a mask, wearing a gun, and nothing said. It was an odd feeling, wasn't it? It was an odd feeling. Mm, yeah. Well, you know, let's move over to this when you're talking about isolation and having things changed for you. Look at this extreme snow weather that's taking place in California. It has gotten pretty serious. Now they're getting rain on top of the snow, and they were saying on the weather today, that's going to cause many roofs to collapse. Mm -hmm. That's going to cause a lot of flash flooding as it makes its way down the mountains and into the rivers. So... If you thought the snow was difficult, just hang on. We were talking with someone. We were introducing prepping, the ideas of prepping. And I raised the question, if you woke up tomorrow morning, there are 48 inches of snow on the ground and no, no power, how long can you feed your family and keep them warm? And he just said, hmm, we're not prepared. Yeah. And I think about 48 inches, well, those some of those folks in California have been dealing with 10 feet of snow. Yes, and who knows how long that's going to last. But they're, you know, they're isolated. They can't get out. People can't get to them. Mm -hmm. I have a family member who has a diesel generator, and she said the generator runs fine as long as we can get diesel. Mm -hmm. And see, that's the problem. Yeah, she did not have uh, enough diesel stored up. Yep, so they're having to make other arrangements. Right. Anything can cause this, even if some of these scenarios uh, post-hurricane. Yeah, that's a really dreadful time. You you may be not able to get out or do anything, but you may be working during the day and trying to clean up your property or whatever. Same thing with tornadoes. And you feel very alone. You know, the stress of just having to deal with the, you might have gone through a terrifying situation and now you're 
in the aftermath mm-hmm. of that. And, you know, stress and fear and panic takes a physical toll as well as a mental one. And some have even thought that the mental toll was greater in terms of suffering. I really think it was. Now, you take this and go from these type of isolations, and a lot of folks, some of you are sitting there saying, well, it wasn't any big deal for me. Well, it wasn't a great big deal for Krista and me. As we've said before, we're best friends. We enjoy being with each other. And I still had to go to work. I'm a deputy sheriff. Now, they told us to go find a church parking lot or a school parking lot and answer our calls from there and handle as much as we could by telephone. So if it was not an emergency call, we handled it by telephone. We didn't go to the scene. And this was in that first two or three weeks of COVID. We quit having roll call. We quit going to the office to start. We went on duty from the house, went straight to our territory. And so a lot of things changed, and there were those days that I spent my eight hours without face-to-face with any other human. Yeah. Strange, And when I did go on a call face-to-face with a human, it was probably humans I really didn't want to be dealing with at the time, (laughs) to be honest, with a lot of them. (laughs) We can take it from these small isolations What about a full post-apocalyptic grid down? Well, I've never been through that. None of us have. And if the movies are any indicator, I'm still not sure that it really paints the real picture of what it really feels like. Because when you're watching a movie psychologically, you know that you're not involved in it. Mm -hmm. You may respond in very large ways. I know I do. I can watch a movie and I can respond very descriptively. But deep down inside, I know that I'm really not in any danger. And this is just entertainment. They're going to turn the lights on in a few minutes and we'll be able to go home or Mm -hmm. go out to eat. But the the thought of being in a real terrifying, alone darkness, you know, you have to, even even an advanced prepper is going to feel fear. Oh. At some point. Yeah. Yeah. You may not be afraid because you have your preps, but you're going to be afraid of the uncertainty. Yeah. You don't know what's going to happen. Now, let's go back. With the COVID lockdowns and with the isolation, we harmed many adults mentally. Yeah. A lot of people went under incredible amounts of stress and fear and uh, of every kind of description. Mm -hmm. And you had so much uncertainty with that. There was a lot of conflicting information. You know, we heard if you take the jab, you won't get COVID. And we also heard that the jab itself is causing myocarditis and deaths. So what do we do? We were pretty much excoriated by some of our family members for not taking the COVID vaccine. And at least one of them has said, I wish we hadn't. So they're having second thoughts about it. But anyway, that's just our opinion. And we do believe that many adults were harmed because of that isolation. Now, let's take a break for our sponsors, and we'll be back to talk about the role isolation plays in mental health. You know how Krista is about as much about water as she is spaghetti. She loves spaghetti, spaghetti, spaghetti. 
And on the podcast, she talks about water, water, water. Well, you know, it's the one thing we cannot live without, and it's always a major concern for preppers. There's just so much drinking water we can store, and when that's gone, what are we going to do? Well, we can source water, strain it, and purify it by boiling it or chemically treating it, but that's a lot of work and a lot of trouble. There's a better way. Pro One Water Filters, we've been using their product for a little while, and I can truly say we love it. There are several countertop models available. We have the Big Plus. It's stainless steel. It's a three-gallon water filter. There's also the Big Two, which holds two and a half gallons, and the Traveler Plus, and it holds two and a quarter gallons. There's also the Scout Two, and there's a water filter pitcher, which you can keep in the fridge. The bigger systems can use one, two, or three filters, and each seven-inch filter filters a thousand gallons of water. The nine-inch filters will handle 1,200 gallons, so there is a lot of capacity there. The Pro One filters filter out heavy metals, bacteria, protozoa, pharmaceuticals, and about 200 other things that we really don't want in our drinking water. They even filter out fluoride without having to buy a separate filter. There's all kinds of certifications for these filters, and if you want to, you can read all about that on their website. Now, here's the best thing. In addition to being a fantastic water filter, they are very affordable. We wanted a countertop water filter for several years, but honestly, the price stood in the way. You know, Pro One is one of the best water filters on the market. It's the best price we've seen anywhere. And to make it even better, they'll break that up into four interest-free payments. There's no reason not to order one today. And by the way, they offer free shipping on all orders over $69.95. There is a Pro One water filter for you, and there's no better time to get one than right now. Pro One water filters. Check them out. They are linked on our website. A food shortage could be coming. Even in the United States, economic experts wrote at the end of the summer crop season. Farmers sense it, too. John Boyd Jr., a fourth-generation farmer, told Fox News that, quote, We're going to see empty food shelves in the coming months, end of quote. That's why survival food is more important than ever. Create your own stockpile of the best-selling Four Patriots Survival Food Kits. It's not ordinary food. We're talking good-for-25-years super survival food, hand-packed right in a family-owned facility in the USA and giving jobs to over 200 Americans. The kits are compact, sturdy, water-resistant, And they stack easily. They have different delicious breakfasts, lunches, dinners. You can make these meals in less than 20 minutes. Just add boiling water, simmer, and serve. And right now, you can go to fourpatriots.com and use code PREPPER to get 10% off your first purchase on anything in the store. You'll get their famous guarantee for an entire year after your order, plus free shipping on orders over $97. They're called For Patriots because a portion of every sale is donated to charities who support veterans and their families. Just go to fourpatriots.com and use code PREPPER 
to get 10% off. That's 4 Use the discount code PREPPER and start building your own food stockpile today. Okay, welcome back. We're going to talk about the role that isolation plays in mental health. You know, people were really, in a large way, people were not prepared for the COVID lockdown. We were talking about how adults were harmed in a a way. People had their jobs compromised. School teachers had to put on the brakes and suddenly find all new ways of teaching. Parents just not knowing what to do or where to turn. Think about this. Think of how that translated down to our children. We harmed our children. Uh, and, and the psychologists and the psychiatrists are now reporting epic numbers of children coming in for therapy sessions because of all of the upheaval that their family went through, their schools, their churches. I mean, it was just their entire lives, as they knew it, turned upside down. Yeah. And we hurt them educationally, too. Yeah, there are some that are very far behind on their reading and their writing skills or social skills. Some even had a large problem with returning to school without wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of conflicting information on that, too. One of our grandsons was so comfortable behind his mask, a young fella, and he was so comfortable behind it, he didn't want to go anywhere without a mask. And there were days that he would wear it in the house. Well, I'll tell you something else, too, that early on in this thing, he was convinced in his and he's, you know, he's a he was eight years old at the I time. I think he was seven. Well, I mean, I'm just saying that to give the listener some mm-hmm. idea of his mindset, he was so fearful about people not wearing a mask that he thought that if he didn't wear a mask, that he would surely die. Mm-hmm. He was really at seven years old. He was fearing that if I'm not wearing this mask, I am going to die. And that is how a child would think mm-hmm. that does not know how to process even the information, even the parents don't know how to process, or at least at that time. Well, and, and we didn't have all of the information, right. and we had conflicting information, and we had a lot of opinion. And You know, it's going to be 50 years before all of this reality really shakes out on what's really going on here. You are probably right about that. We, we may know who killed JFK before we know the truth about COVID. Now, let's talk about the isolation. Just the isolation itself can lead to anxiety. Mm-hmm. A lot of pressure there. It can lead to depression. It can and, even lead to like nervous breakdowns, and, and full-on breakdowns. We saw that, and those calls increased during that period of time for us. We are called if someone goes into what we call an altered mental status. Mm-hmm. They're, they're having that mental breakdown. Well, I was remembering that early on when airline travel was still taking place, but they were still masking people, a lot of airline breakdowns with with passengers mm-hmm. began to happen over the to mask or not to mask. That is the question. And there were a lot of differing opinions there of passengers on board. And much of that airline violence was coming from that issue. And think of the stress that caused. You've got a whole airplane full of people and you got one person over here causing a problem and you've got 175 other people over there just trying to get to where they're needing to get to. So everybody had a bad mental day that day. Mm-hmm. And it turned physical in some cases. Right. You pointed out that the social media withdrawal, which can happen when folks either are in an area that they cannot get service or their power is down and their wireless network won't work and they're without 
social media for 12 hours. And it's 1988 all over again. It is. <laughs> Folks can't deal with it when it's not an SHTF. So a crisis may really send some over the edge. Oh, well, it has. You know, there are some colleges that perform some experiments with college students. They voluntarily ask them to go without their cell phone or any device, no tablet, no cell phone, no computer, no desk, nothing. And how many hours, you know, depending on how many hours they could go without it, they would get like a hundred bucks. If they went seven days, they'd get $5,000. Yeah, it was a an appreciable I mean, amount it, of money. It could make me go without a device for yeah, and there were I don't know how many it was a it was a handful number of students that was participating in this particular study, and the person who lasted the longest ended up breaking down after ten hours, hmm. which means the other say twenty five students, some of them didn't make it twenty five minutes. Right, they were in tears, weeping, mm-hmm. pleading, begging. Please, I have to have my phone. I, my whole life is in that phone. Listen, I kind of understand it. I left the house one time to go to my work, and I did not have my phone, and I felt panic mm-hmm. because everything I needed to know was in that phone. And so, of course, I had to change my plans and come back in. But I'm just saying that there, our attachment to devices let me put it this way. If you're a parent of, let's say, an 11-year-old boy who plays video games, go take that phone away from him right now. See what happens. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be a fight. Go try it. Go try it. going to be a fight. It's going to get ugly. They are addicted to it. And if we get into an SHTF situation, we're going to need to focus on perspective. Right. Particularly where it comes to devices. You have to stop and breathe for a moment and realize A device is simply a machine in your hand that is useful for its intended purpose. But apart from that, who are you? Where is your perspective? What kind of person are you? What do you think about? What do others think of you? Well, the perspective to look at in the situation, one, we're alive. Yeah. One, we have each other. We have preps. We can eat. We can have fresh drinking water. We can actually survive without Mm -hmm. this device. So take a look at the perspective, not just from a device standpoint, but from every aspect. Yes. How how is this really going to affect us in the long run? Yeah. Now, if we're talking a week or two, we can get through that. We may not think we can, but we can get through that if we have our basic preps. Which is also what leads me to think about focusing on reality. If you're in an emergency situation, a crisis situation, where you may have isolation or a grid down or, or what have you, just look at the reality. Take an assessment of your own self. Are you alive right now? Are your loved ones okay? What's really going on? What is the most important thing you need to be doing? What is the reality? And if you're without your phone or your computer, you can make it. We talk about the reality. This is really happening. Mm -hmm. How many times do we hear people say, I can't believe this happened. I can't believe we got hit by a tornado. I can't believe we got hit by a hurricane. Well, you live on the Gulf Coast. You're going to get hit by a hurricane. So believe it, right? So, yes, that's reality. What is reality? Right now, we've got a problem. 
How do we fix it? Another thing to focus on when you're in a crisis situation, take your mind off of yourself for a little while and focus on other Mm -hmm. people. Psychologists will tell you that focusing on others is a healthier mindset. Mm -hmm. And if you know you're about to wig out and have a breakdown or, or lose it, start focusing on others because you may need to be the strong one for your children. They're looking to you for guidance and control. And you're going to need to embody that. You may have to do an Academy Award acting job, but if you'll focus on others and really put others first, I think you're going to find that your mind and your perspective and your reality will kind of go hand in hand and you can get through it better. And we need to occupy our mind with positive things. Exactly. We need to not sit there and think the worst case scenario. Let me tell you, sometimes I have faced not grid down situations, but I've had situations in my life where I've had to simply stop and remind myself, I have two good legs that can walk. I have two arms that can lift things. I have two eyes that, with with the help of glasses, I can see. Mm-hmm. I can speak. My mind is right. What do I have going for me and what do I really have to complain about? Well, I was with you too. You said your mind is right. I'm not so sure my mind is right, but anyway, that's a different podcast. Hey, you've been to the doctor. I've been to they the doctor. They said there was a brain in there. They did say there's a brain so in there. So there you go. Okay. When it comes to physical prepping, physical prepping for adults is really not that hard. I mean, it, it's not that complicated. And if you want to boil it down to the simplest thing, at a minimum, what will you and your family need for two weeks? To get through anything. Yep, it's a good starting place. That, that's a good starting place. Three is better. Four is even better than that. Three months I like even better. Huh? Okay. But, I mean, it's not that hard. Stock the things that you will need. But now let's talk about prepping for children. That's a little bit more complex. Well, it seems like the rule is the smaller the kid, the more gear you need. Isn't that the <laughs> truth? Have a baby. Look what it takes to take a baby out. Mm-hmm. You got to have your diaper bag, your stroller, your you know, you've got it's it takes an army of supplies. So children do require I think they require more stuff, but it's important. There's a oh, there's yeah, a meaning yeah. for all of it. I mean diapers take up a lot of space, but you better stock some up because if you're hit with ten feet of snow, you're not running to the store to get some more diapers. Well, first thing you need to do when you realize that you're in an emergency situation and you've got children that are looking to you, you need to keep the main thing the main thing, and that is reassure those kids that they're going to be loved, that they're safe, that you're you're going to be handling it because they need you to do that. They need to feel that you love them. They need to hear you say those words and show them with hugs and and hold them and let them cry if they're afraid. Let don't tell them not to feel scared. Say, mm-hmm. agree with them. I know you feel scared. I feel scared too. But you know what? Let's just hug. You know the the kid will then feel like okay. You know what? Uh, it's going to be okay. So help them not have a mental crisis. And telling them that you will not let anything happen to them helps to reassure them. Exactly. And I've done that quite a few times on duty with kids. You know, they're so afraid something's going to happen. And I would just explain, look, I'm here with you. I will take care of you. Nothing is going to happen to you. Right, right. And they also need to be age appropriately involved. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute, but... 
How about setting a routine? Well, it's very important, if possible, if you can continue on, if possible, doing the things that your family does. For example, if your family has a nightly habit of all sitting down at a dinner table together, well, maybe your dinner table just got blown to pieces out of a tornado. Try to find some way for your family to gather. And even if it's nothing more than peanut butter crackers and some water out of bottles, have your family dinner and call it that. Say, well, you know, it's going to look a little bit different. But you know, kids, every night we sit down together Mm -hmm. as a family and tonight's going to be no different. Remain in your traditions. Remain in the things that seem familiar and comfortable to them. In as much as you possibly can. In this routine thing, I'm learning that it's really very, very important for autistic children. Many of them can't deal with the change in routine very well. Right. So it may take quite a bit of imagination mm-hmm. and creativity on your part as, a, as an adult, but hopefully... Us talking about it now will help prepare you ahead of time so that when it does happen, you'll know that you'll have those skills to fall back on. Another thing that we can do, and we know that as adults, we should be sharing responsibilities. doesn't mean that everybody does everything, but we divide up the responsibilities. And it's important in these kinds of situations that there are age-appropriate chores for the children. Well, for one thing, it helps to keep them busy. It does. And it also helps because they're actually helping. And even if it takes them longer to do it than you could do it, even if you have to redo some of it, that's why I say age-appropriate. We've got three-year-olds that can't do as much as our 14- and 15-year-old grandsons can do. Eight-year-old can't do, or the nine, I guess he's 10 now. Yeah, just turned 10. Can't Mm -hmm. do what the 15-year-old can do. So age-appropriate, but have those chores, which I really think that they ought to have anyway. Oh, absolutely. They ought to have some certain chores. And kids that grow up in the country and on the farm, you know, their chores involve feeding the chickens and watering the cows and things like that. They work hard before they even go to school. They they do or (laughs) did. But today, I think it's important that we have those chores for those children. And in an SHTF situation, they already know the reality. We've got a problem. And this helps them to feel involved in the process. Also think about the ways that you're going to keep those children entertained during an isolation. Board games, card games, and where you can, outdoor games. The types of things where they have to physically be involved Mm -hmm. and and participate. Wear them out so they'll sleep at night. Think about some educational items. You can, for very little money at the dollar store, you can actually go to the teacher section of that store and you can buy workbooks and flashcards and all sorts of card games and stickers and art supplies, construction paper, everything you can imagine. If you think about being an elementary school teacher, There are those types of items for very, very low cost, and those are the types of things you're just going to want to have on hand anyway. So I want to buy a coloring book for me. Well, you know, adults do coloring books. We've we've got some colored pencils, so I think I'll get me some coloring books. Hey, you know what's come back into popularity? What's that? Puzzles. Puzzles. Not just the big block type puzzles for your little kids, but the 100,000 and 5,000 piece jigsaw puzzles. Mm -hmm. 
they have returned. In fact, a couple of years ago, because of COVID, they were finding these game stores and hobby stores were selling out. They couldn't get them fast enough. So puzzles have come back, and that is something the whole family can participate in. And they're very popular. Over the years, I've gone into many, many houses on calls, and there on the coffee table would be a partially assembled jigsaw puzzle. Mm -hmm. And some of these folks take it very, very serious. Yes. I was actually in a client's home, and I noticed the same kind of thing. They actually had a sort of a sideboard that didn't get a lot of traffic over there, and I observed that there was a puzzle about three quarters of the way done mm-hmm. with all the remaining pieces. And I said, oh, I, I see you got a puzzle. I said, yes, we encourage people if they feel like they can find a matching piece, go right ahead. <laughs> so they were asking strangers and people, neighbors to come in and help solve the puzzle. Well, speaking of that also, let me jump over here to toys. Good old fashioned, non-electric toys. The types of things that Mark and I grew up with and the types of things our parents grew up with that are just good old-fashioned fun. Things like trucks and dolls and trains and, you know, jump just ropes jump and ropes, ball and jack, you know, you know that we'd, kind of stuff. We'd go under the, the back porch at the house. It was open under there at that time when we were kids. And we would take a little front-end loader and a dump truck, and we moved half of that dirt around <laughs> in that thing over the years. I mean, that's toys that can be played with alone or as a group of a couple of people. So yeah, you need yeah. some things that kids can do by themselves. Here's an idea I'm going to share really quickly. I saw this over the weekend and I thought, why didn't I think of that? You take a very small pup tent, like a child's mm-hmm. pup tent, and into that you put play sand into the tent. Then you put all the sand toys into the tent. And now the child can go into the tent and play with the sand all they want to. And then when they're done, they come out, they brush off, you zip up, the tent now the cats can't go in there and use it and it doesn't become soiled you could put it somewhere where it doesn't get rained on but what a great idea Mm -hmm. just anyway you don't have to wait for an emergency to do that but get you a little child's tent and put some play sand in there if they're age appropriate to play in that and that way you can keep your supply of sand clean and fresh every time they want to use it but let me tell you something kids can play for hours in something like that oh yeah give them a couple of hot wheel cars and some trucks in there and they can Mm -hmm. go and go and go give them a little shovel and a bucket and they can build all kinds of things Uh, Oh, that'd be fun. All right. Now, what about for families? How are we going to prepare for some of the isolation that we might experience if we have a totally serious situation? Well, in addition to what we've already named in terms of entertainment for the kids like games, there's also outdoor play. You might be able to rig up some sort of a basketball goal or Maybe you'll play a little bit of touch football out in the yard or tag or hide and seek or, you know, you're going to have to come up with some ways that you can entertain yourself and your family. And board games are a good way to do that. That's true. Some families still have that once a week board game night. Mm -hmm, Game night. And they get together and have games among the family, Mm -hmm. and some of those can get pretty competitive. (laughs) Very competitive. And so, you know, we've got a few board games here that we've not played, we've not opened, Mm -hmm. and they're there if we need them. And that would do something more than just occupying us by playing the game is that we would have to learn how to play the game. And a good thrift store is a good place to get those. Absolutely. So the main focus of the topic is guarding your mental health. You know, you're going to want to do that anyway. But 
in the stress of a really, really tough situation, your mental health is going to be the first thing you may notice is starting to suffer. So be aware, have some awareness that you're about to have a stress moment or a panic moment and go ahead and think through the scenario, rehearse it in your mind. We find that that's one of the best ways to learn and to prepare is to go ahead and play the scenario out. It helps you rehearse what you would say and do. Take advantage of some of these resources that are available to you. If you're someone who is very fearful to be physically alone, you've got to think about that. How are you going to handle that in a SHTF situation? And practice some of these things. You know, don't wait for an emergency to have family game night. Go ahead and start living your life and having some fun now. How practical is that? That's pretty practical. Why would you... deprive yourself of the blessing of the joy of enjoying some what I call unplugged time with the family. Let me tell you something. Memories are created by moments like this. I can remember as a child the times that my parents stopped what they were doing and took time for us kids. And those memories are cherished. And I wanted to reproduce that same sort of thing when my child was very young. And she talks about that to this day, about when we did this or when that happened or the experience that we had as a family. And I find, too, that a lot of mental health issues can probably be solved before they happen if you already put your mind in a really good positive place. And that's what we're talking about here. No one is immune from a crisis or an emergency. Nobody. Something can happen to any one of us at any given moment. We know that. And since we can't do anything about that, the things we cannot control, we can at least take control of our own mind and our own thoughts and our own responses, the words that come out of our mouth, the thoughts that we think. If you find that you're having a little bit more than the usual amount of trouble in that way, go ahead and find some help. There's plenty of it out there. There's plenty of folks out there willing to be able to help you in ways that are meaningful. So we ask you to do that because who knows what kind of stuff may happen. I think we need to be prepared. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Practical Prepping Podcast. You can contact us through email at info at practicalprepping.info or on Facebook. The link is in the show notes. Until next time, remember, stuff happens, stay prepared.